If you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn to the prophet Isaiah. The book of Isaiah chapter 55, and we're going to be reading verses 10 through 13. Isaiah 55, verses 10 through 13. If you are physically able, would you please stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper. Instead of the briars... The myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we just come to you today, and we ask that through the writing of the prophet Isaiah, that we would just come to understand you more and to trust you more. Father, we ask that your word um, would just continue Father, to touch, to change our hearts, to transform us and make us more like Jesus. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about being cautious or being aware or bewaring false prophets. And we talked about the fact that there are always people out there who are wanting to tell us what we want to hear. Okay, there will always be people uh, who are slick, who are slippery, who are out there to gain power or money or recognition or whatever by telling people just exactly what they want to hear rather than the truth. And so as believers, we have to be ready uh, to really to judge what we hear and make sure that um, that things that we hear line up with God's word and what he's trying to tell us. And so that's one issue as Christians that we have to deal with is, is not just believing anytime someone says, oh, you know, guess what? You, you're, you're a good Christian, so everything's going to go your way. You know, because I know you're a Christian, I know your marriage will be healed. Oh, I know your financial problems are just going to go away. Oh, I know that you're going to completely recover. You know, people will say things that you that you want to hold on to, but you got to test and see, is that from the Lord or is that just simply something they're saying to make you feel better? On the other hand, there are times in our lives when the Lord is trying to give us a message. He is trying to speak to us and teach us and tell us about his blessings, about the joy he wants to give us, about some good things he wants to do in our lives. But we've gotten so used to trouble We've gotten so used to being down, to being hurt, to being lonely, to being whatever it is our problems are, that we have a hard time believing that anything's going to be better because we've just been in this, in this rut so long. I mean, 
sometimes um, even good change is difficult because it's change. We've just gotten used to something, you know, for so long. It's hard to believe that something else is different. You know, I know uh, we, we've talked a lot about how everything with the COVID virus has affected everybody. And, and I've got a couple of recent graduates. I almost said seniors, but they're not seniors anymore. A couple of graduates at home and, and all the stuff that changed for them during their senior year. And then, then there's been all kind of interesting stuff getting ready for college in the fall. And, you know, Courtney was, they had tried to get in a certain type of room and, and it was all the crazy process with getting a room. And so they did, her and her roommate didn't get exactly what they wanted and they put in for, for something else. And then I asked her the other day, well, you still think you're going to, you know, is that going to happen? What's it look like? Have you heard anything? It's like, well, you know, I'm just kind of used to this way right now. I'm, and now I've planned it. Now all of our stuff doesn't match the way it should. And, you know, now if we get the room, I, I just don't know. I think I'm just fine with it is now. You know, we just get settled with a, a, a certain, we like some certainty sometimes. Even if it's a bad certainty, we just know, you know, we're living with it. And, and it's, sometimes it's hard for us to think about things being better because we just get, get so used to it. And so... The people of Israel, they were kind of in that situation right here in Isaiah. You know, this is, this is now they're getting to the tail end of the exile. And so in, in the Old Testament, you know, you hear a whole lot about the prophets who keep saying, repent, 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 or bad things are going to happen. Bad things, they ignore it, they ignore it, they ignore it. Finally, uh, it does come to pass, and the people are taken out of the land, and they're gone. Most of the people have been removed from the nation for 70 years. And so there were false prophets who would tell them, hey, don't worry about it, this is all going to go away. And the true prophets of God had to say, nope. God's told you this is going to happen. This is going to last. There's a consequence for your behavior, and you're going to have to live with this. So you need to go ahead and live life. You need to go ahead and plant gardens, build houses, let your children marry, go about things, because this is the way it's going to be for a while. You're going to be living in exile for 70 years. And so it was, you know, the, the prophets of the Lord had to get through that message that, hey, some different, different and difficult times are coming, and God's going to be with you, but you're going to have to live through that. And, and then things had to change, though, because the time of that exile was coming to a close. It was time, it was, the time was coming and drawing near that God was going to bring his people back to Israel. Well, now we have the opposite problem. Oh, we've kind of settled in where, you know, we don't like it over here, but this is where we've been for a while. And, you know, we don't know that we're ever going to leave this place. I mean, we've been here for so long. And, and, and so they had some trouble now adjusting the other way, saying, oh, you know, maybe it really will be good. God's promised good things are ahead. And yet they've lived so long in this way that they're kind of like, I don't know if we're ever going get to get to go back. I don't know if everything's going to be like it used to be or, or if it's going to be blessed again back in Israel. Maybe that's just the past and maybe we're forever cut off from the promised land. And that was the kind of thinking that was going on. So he gives them a beautiful picture here. And obviously this is very poetic language. But when uh, you look in verse 12, it says, you will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. In other words, 
You're not scrambling, kind of like when you, had, when you as, a, as a people had to run out of Egypt real fast and get out of there as fast as you could before the Pharaoh changed his mind. This, this is going to be like a parade. When you guys go home, it's going to be officially sanctioned, and that's what happened. Um, and, and they were able to leave and, and go forth in peace and not be harassed. It says, you'll be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you. All the trees of the field will clap their hands. Now, there's some personification going on. We know trees don't have hands. But the, the images of tree branches swaying almost like they're saying, hey, welcome back, welcome home. And he's telling us, you know, instead of the thorn bush, there'll be the juniper tree. Instead of the briars, there'll be the myrtle. In other words, this whole land that was once fertile and now has become a wasteland because... I had to pull you out. I was taking you uh, because you didn't repent. You didn't repent. You had these consequences. And this once beautiful fertile land has become a wilderness. And now all this growing in it is thorns and thistles and briars. It's overgrown. It hadn't been taken care of. You know, this kind of, in, in your mind, picture one of these home renovation shows, Right? You know, a place that's really dilapidated, and you look at it, and you think, wow, this is ugly. How could they ever pick this place? But at the end, when they move that bus or they do whatever they do to reveal it, it's going to be beautiful. And that's what God is saying. There is going to be a massive renovation. When you, during the time you've been gone, this land has just gone. It's, it's terrible. It's gone downhill. But guess what? I am going to renew and restore, and I am going to bless you once again in the land of Israel. So that was some incredibly encouraging and powerful words that he was giving them. But God knew that even though these were wonderful, encouraging words, that there was still going to be some difficulty believing them. There was going to be some difficulty accepting these words and, and really living them out. You know, there's one thing to have the, quote, Sunday school answer. To know, okay, God said this. There's another thing to live out your faith. To actually believe it and live it. And God knew that these ancient believers needed help really living it and believing it. So in addition to this beautiful picture, he tells them something to remind them that he's just not theoretically speaking, that this is for real. And he connects this promise of his words being for real with something we know a little bit about here in Mississippi. It's a little four-letter word called rain. We all know a little bit about rain. You know, last week when my brother was here from Austin, Texas, um, it, it was interesting as we were going around different places. I was, we went to Lake Lounge. We just went to different places in the community. And, and he said something. He's like, wow. I was like, what? You know, usually when people come from other states, you know, it's usually they're like, eh, Mississippi, this, that. You know, but he's like, wow. And I was like, what is it? He said, the grass. He said, the grass is just really like maintain all these people in your neighborhood and all around. I mean, they've got their yards cut, you know, and, and we went to the park and he could tell where everything had been cut and bush hog. And, and he was just kind of amazed at how good that looked. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, where I live in Texas, he said, they just let the grass grow. He said, they don't just cut it all the time like that. 
you know, they just let it grow, and, you know, it's kind of like they're proud. We've got grass, you know. I guess it's like we're hot, we're dry. Ooh, we got some grass. And he said they just let that kind of grow. And, 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 you know, we talked about that, and later on I thought, well, there's the wildflower thing. You know, they, they, do, they do like their wildflowers to grow, but, but it really is. You know, they don't have it like we do here where, you know, I don't care that you guys cut your yard yesterday after today's rain. It's going to need it again tomorrow, right? We understand that when, when it rains, the grass is going to what? Grow. When it rains, the grass is going to grow. When it rains, the grass is going to grow. You know, we, we know that as a fact. Nobody had to really teach us that in school, I don't think. We just kind of learned that. We all get that. When the rain falls, the grass is going to grow. And he connects that simple principle that all of us get. When the rain falls, the grass is going to grow. He connects that with his words and his speaking. And Basically, when the rain falls, the grass is going to grow. He says, God says, when I speak, my power is going to flow. When I speak, my power is going to flow. Listen to this and flesh out this idea in verse 10 and 11. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, So it is that my word that goes forth from my mouth will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God says this, I know what I'm saying to you. It's a big ask for you to believe. I know that I'm giving you a picture of something you've almost lost hope for. You've been living so long in this foreign land. And I'm talking about how good things are going to be. He said, I understand that's a big ask of you to believe it. But he says, go back and think about me and my word. Understand how my word is automatic. Just like you know that when it rains, you better get that mower tuned up. You better get it fixed up. You better get it ready. Because if you don't, someone's going to start elbowing you out of that grass, you know. And uh, maybe you might have to keep up with a neighbor. Maybe it's your spouse. But somehow, some way, you got to deal with it. Rain falls, grass grows. And God says, I speak and my power flows. I speak and whatever I say, declares the Lord, that is going to happen. He says, my word will not return to me void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which I sent it forth. So God's telling us a couple things here. First of all, when he speaks, he's not stammering. He's not stuttering. He's not just spitting out idle words. God's words always have a purpose. Everything that God does is intentional. And that's real good for us to know because every so often some of us wonder, did, did he make a mistake with me? You know, No, God doesn't make mistakes. God is intentional about every single thing that he does. And he says, I have a purpose. And every time I speak, 
My words go out just like rain drop falls, snow falls, whatever kind of participation, whatever that word is for water, whatever that stuff falls, it melts, it gets into the ground, seeds get activated, plants grow. What's the word? Precipitation. I kept wanting to say perspiration, and I knew that wasn't it. Yeah, that's water too. I mean, I was close. So any type of that precipitation is going to help things to grow. And God says, my word may come in different forms, in in different times, in different ways. But when my word goes forth, you can guarantee this, that something is going to grow out of it. Because my words are not empty. They are not vain. They are not messing around. They are not kidding around. My words have meaning and they have power. And my words will accomplish what they have been sent forth to accomplish. And, you know, that's all throughout the Bible. We, we learn in Genesis 1, God said, let there be light. And there was light. God said, God said, and everything he said and everything he commanded, at the sound of his voice, worlds came into existence. The universe was born. The power of God's word is the power to create the universe. It is the power to accomplish everything. And you and I have to come to that place where we understand that and we trust that and we know that in our hearts, just like we know when it rains, we're going to have to mow. We know that when God speaks, his power is going to flow. He's going to back it up. He's going to accomplish what he said. There's a situation, a circumstance in the book of Matthew about a non-Jewish person who comes to him for help. It was a, a Roman centurion. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, my servant is sick. You know, would you please help him? And Jesus says, yes, I'll be glad to go with you. I'll be glad to accompany you to the house where the sick servant is. And the centurion, this Roman soldier says, oh, no, Jesus, you don't have to do that. He says, I understand authority. He says, I speak a command and my men obey that command. And they go forth and do it. I don't have to go there. I just say it and it gets done. And I understand authority in Jesus. You have authority. Not just over man, but over everything. And so Jesus just speak the word and my servant will be healed. And Jesus replies, he says, such great faith I have not found in all of Israel. He commends this man for understanding that Jesus just isn't isn't full of a few little tricks and a little bit more powerful than your average prophet or rabbi. This centurion, not even a Jewish man, not even one who is waiting for the Messiah, he's the one who gets it. Jesus has all authority. His words are power. And the Bible says that Jesus speaks the word And when the centurion gets home, he finds that his servant was healed at that very hour. You and I, just like the Jewish people of Jesus' day, they knew God had power and authority. And yet, sometimes that knowledge can get to the back of our minds and where we forget about it. 
And what God's word is calling us today to to renew, remember, and grow in our faith and restore our faith to this point that we trust God so much that we know that his word, when he speaks it, it's automatic. In your minds, connect it to rain. When rain. When it rains, grass grows. When God speaks, his power flows. God's word will never come back empty. It will never just dissipate and somehow fizzle out. God says, my word that I have given, when I speak, there's a purpose and there's a power behind it. And if you remember God's purpose and his power and also his amazing history of always coming through on his word before, you can trust and know God will do it this time. Rain. I know we don't always like it. I know sometimes it ruins our vacations or our outdoor plans or activities. But it's a powerful lesson to us. Rain's going to cause growth. God's word is going to cause his will to be done. And we can mark it down. We can trust it that that will be the case every time. Would you go with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. And Lord, we simply ask, Lord, not that you teach most of us a new truth. Lord, if this is a new truth to any of us, I pray that we would learn it well. But for most of us, God, even if it's in a a different words or wrapped up in a different package, Lord, for most of us, this is an existing truth, something we already know, and yet we forget or drift from. God, we get to that point where we neglect your word. Uh, When we forget about its power. Lord, help us to trust that when you speak to us, Lord, through your written word or through your spirit, God, as you speak to us, Lord, your word has power. Your word has the power to create the universe. Your word has the power to resurrect all life just as Jesus was resurrected. And your word has the power for us to live in and believe in and base our lives upon each and every day. And God, I pray that you would give us that faith to be able to do that. Father, help us to spend this time as we sing this next song and we reflect on your speaking to us. Lord, help us to understand and to commit, Father, to listening to you and believing you and obeying you when you speak. God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.